Sylvia, and this is Out Loud a Gizmo, a saying my dad made up. This is a storytelling podcast where you will experience excitement, laughter, reality, and mind-blowing adventures. Hello. I hope you enjoyed the last episode of all the moving that my dad and his family did. That's only during the first 12 chapters. And of course, all the babies that were born up until the very last one, Uncle Bill. Anyway, I did get some feedback that I may have used too many dramatic piano chords in between each movie. I didn't notice that I did that, but, uh, you know, if it bothered you, (laughs) uh, tell you the truth, I went back and listened to it. It is pretty irritating, but... Do you know how irritating it must have been for him to have to have moved that much, or the whole family, his mom especially, because of no place to set up housekeeping or be in a normal place when you have all these kids? Yeah, it did make me laugh, though. My husband and I were talking about all of the road rage or whatever was going on here lately, and I said, and yesterday at 3.30, there was a road rage at, at Center and First Street. Ding, And then the day before that, there was another road rage going on at 43rd Avenue and Van Buren. You know, there were so many of them that we were actually (laughs) using that dramatic piano piece in between as we were talking. You can do that with anything. If you think about it, and that makes it more dramatic. Makes you realize, whoa, look how many times this is happening. And it makes me laugh because I did get carried away, okay? Hey, you have to do something to make something dramatic, make people notice, okay? So, sorry if it irritated anyone. It did irritate me as well, but it had to have irritated my dad and his family as they were moving all those times. Anyway, thank you for putting up with it. Okay, moving on to today's episode. My dad is about 19 years old, and he's kind of gone out on his own a little bit, and he has a few stories to tell. So go ahead and listen, and I'll talk to you later. Here goes. Chapter 13. We kept working for Mr. Patterson, planting, hoeing, milking cows, or whatever there was to do. When the crops were ready to harvest, I got a job at the cotton gin making 25 cents per hour. I saved my money and bought a car, a 1926 Chevrolet two-door sedan. I gave $50 for it. Viva, Heavy, and Baby moved back to Wagoner, Oklahoma. Papa and me talked to Sarah, Guy, and Geraldine to see if they would take Billy and raise him as their own. They had been keeping him three months already. Sarah said she didn't want his sisters to decide later on that they wanted him. I told her, I promise you, that won't happen. And it didn't. I remember one day, Papa and the girls were hoeing about a mile from the house. Inez had to go to the house for something, and she decided to drive my car back to work, down the turn row and across listed ridges. I was working in another field, one and one half miles away. The reason I knew she drove it was because the muffler was off of it. I was over there in nothing flat. By the time it took me to get there, 
I had cooled off a lot, or she would have been in a lot of trouble. One Saturday night, me, Bill Tucker, Skinner Tucker, Aud Earl Patterson, and Herb Verkamp went to Lubbock. Lubbock County was a dry county, but you could go to a drugstore. Every drugstore had a doctor on duty that would sell you a prescription for 25 cents to buy whiskey or wine. When it came my turn, the doctor said, what's your name? I said, David Pickett. He said, are you sick? And I said, not yet. That will be 25 cents. Next. That would go on until closing time. After our night on the town, we started home. I stopped at a station to check the gasoline. My gas gauge was a tire tool, which I stuck down in the tank. I couldn't find any gas. I said, okay fellows, start digging. I've got to have gasoline. We all came up with 30 cents and I bought 30 cents worth, about three gallons. Price of gas was nine cents per gallon. We took off for home, wide open, about 30 miles per hour. I hit a dip in the street on purpose and a highway patrol pulled me over. I got out and met him at the rear of the car. I said, what is the matter officer? Was I driving too fast? He said, are you trying to be funny? I said, no sir. He said, you have a headlight out. Stop at the station just ahead and get it fixed. I thanked him. Well, I stopped at the station and he went straight on where I wanted to turn left to Posey. I didn't have the money to get it fixed anyway. Chapter 14. One day Papa said, we got a letter from Viva in Oklahoma and she said she wants us to move out there. She said, I know you can find work out here. Papa said, I will get a trailer if you will move us out there. I told him I would, so he got a four-wheel cotton hauling trailer and put sideboards on it. I quit my job at the cotton gin, and I bought some new tires for the car. Then, we loaded up for another move. I took them down to Slayton to see Guy, Sarah, Geraldine and Billy. Billy was walking all over the place. It sure was hard for Papa and the girls to leave him, but they knew he had a good home and I knew I was coming back. Well, the trip wasn't too bad, but if I went over 25 miles per hour, the trailer would shake. That was downhill, but it seemed like it's uphill all the way to Oklahoma. Pulling a trailer with a 1926 Chevrolet, even the bicycles would pass me. We finally got to Wagoner and found out where Viva and Heavy lived, and they had a shack ready for us. I didn't stay there very long. I put my car up for sale, in two days' time, I sold it to a wagoner handyman. Anyway, I bought a ticket back to Lubbock. I went back to where Papa was and told him my intentions. I said, I sold my car for $35, and that's what the bus ticket costs, so I would like to borrow two or three dollars to eat on. Heavy's brother, Homer, heard me ask for money and he said, I have a 1931 Model A Ford that I am about to lose, and I don't want to ruin my credit. You can drive it across the river into Texas. That way, you can get part of your bus ticket back. After a couple of days, I will report it stolen. By that time, you will be in Lubbock. Papa heard him and said, no way. So, that was the end of that. I felt like I was taking a cold, but I didn't tell anyone. I got on the bus, and before I got to Lubbock, I was sicker than a horse. That's what my grandpa used to say. When I got to Lubbock, I caught a city bus to Harvey and Becky Carroll's laundry. I remembered they lived in Posey, and she kept Billy when Mama was sick. Well, she put me to bed for about three days. When I got better, I went to Slayton, where Guy and Sarah lived. 
Billy sure was growing. I stayed with them a while, but couldn't find work. I went to Posey and worked at the cotton gin, doing repair work so the cotton gin would be ready to start up when the ginning season started. I stayed with the Tuckers some, and I stayed with Louis Melcher some. Ray Hewitt had a 1934 Chevrolet four-door sedan. His dad ran the gas station that the Carols used to own. One day, in the late fall of 1938, we were sitting in the car, in the driveway of the service station, when all of a sudden, out of the north, came what looked like a big black cloud. Ray said, boy, we are about to get a rain and maybe hail. I said, it'll be the driest rain you ever saw. That's all I said, and about that time, it hit. With winds about 35 or 40 miles per hour. It was so dark that we couldn't see one another in the car. It was a record sandstorm. I believe the record still stands. I am sure that Lubbock County is not proud of that record, but it's still a record. Ray asked me if I would like to go to the wheat harvest in the panhandle of Oklahoma and Texas. He said, I'll furnish the car and you buy the gas. I said, I don't have much money. He said, I'll get us up there, then you can pay me when we get a job. So, we took off the way we were headed. I said, this is not the way to Hobart, Oklahoma. He said, I know. I am going to Idaloo and get Rosette, my girlfriend, and take her with us. Our first stop was Hollis, Oklahoma. I said, what are we stopping here for? I don't see any wheat around here. He said, I have an uncle that lives here. We will get two good meals and a good night's sleep. Well, after about two hours of searching, we finally found their house. They hadn't seen him since he was a little kid, but they seemed to be glad to see him. He told them, this is my friend, David Pickett, and this is his sister, Rosette. They live close to Hobart and we will look for work up there. His uncle said, I know the John Deere people in Hobart. They run several combines. He asked me where we lived up there. I made like I didn't hear him and Ray changed the subject. Well, after breakfast, we left for Hobart. I said, Ray, you almost got us in trouble. He just laughed. When we got to Hobart, we went to the John Deere and asked for work and told them we were experienced. I was, but Ray was never even close to a tractor. They told him to come out the next day to drive the tractor and for me to operate the combine. They said they would have an experienced man with me on the combine, a company man. The combine was easy to operate. Before we left, I went out to the tractor with Ray to show him how to find the gears and how to use the clutch when shifting. We all lined up on the street and thank goodness we were in the back. We kept getting farther behind and I hollered at Ray to put it in a higher gear. He did, but without releasing the clutch. Boy, it sounded like it stripped a tooth or two. After we got to the field and lined up with the others, everything seemed to be going well. All I had to do was keep the blade off the ground, which hung out to one side. The boss came along beside the tractor and said, put it in a higher gear. You're going too slow. So Ray put his foot into it again without releasing the clutch. This time he stripped every gear in the transmission. So, they went and got new parts and got it fixed. Then they asked me if I wanted to drive the tractor. He said, I am going to fire this guy named Ray. I said, if you let him go, I will have to go too, because he is my only transportation. I have to go where he goes. So, we went to Periton, Texas, where we found a job shocking wheat. It was the poor boy way of thrashing wheat. 
After the bundles dried, they would haul them to the thrasher. That job lasted about a week. We headed south and stopped in Borger. Ray went to the employment office. Ray said someone needed a farm worker and his wife to do housework, but they didn't need anyone else. Boy, I found out what a friend he was. I could have stayed at Hobart driving a tractor. So, I told him, maybe I'll see you at home sometime. the more I listen to my dad's stories, it seems like he was taken advantage of a lot. He was a rather naive young child and young teenager, and he got taken advantage of because of that, I believe. <laughs> and he actually bought three gallons of gasoline on 30 cents. Gasoline was only nine cents a gallon back then. That's unbelievable. Well, thank you for listening to these, and we'll be back next week with some more stories. Wait, that's not all. I have something else to add. Okay, I started off with something a little silly, uh, talking about all those da-dun-dunts. So I'm going to end it with something that I've been always wanting to say and a little silly as well. But true. This podcast is hosted by Sylvia Gant. The production team is Sylvia for editing, Sylvia for sound, Sylvia for editing music, Sylvia for applying sound technology, Sylvia for technical mixing, and Sylvia for story editing. Yes, you got it. Everything was done by me, Sylvia, except for the writing of the story and the piano music. Please come back to hear all of the many different stories of my dad's life. Each chapter and episode will take you on adventures as he grows up. And don't forget to press subscribe or follow so you can come back and listen to the real-life stories. Because I want you to be able to envision his world through your ears. And goodness gracious, out loud a gizmo, you're in for a wonderful adventure. Bye-bye now. This podcast was hosted by Sylvia Gant. Thanks to my dad, Dave Pickett, for writing the stories. A special thanks to Uncle Bill Pickett for the piano music.